Yo, what's up? It's Aiden Taco Jones. You're listening to Sitting Under a Tree. It's Tuesday, the 19th of February. The year is 2019, and I have strained my calf muscle. Ow, 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 ow. It fucking hurts, man. I was playing uh, indoor soccer on Sunday, and it just, dude, we were doing so well. We were fucking, it's like the team of comedians. And, uh, the terrifying Carl Chandler, <laughs> who, uh, runs, uh, Spleen, which is one of the best rooms in, in Melbourne to do comedy at, and I've always been scared of him, he plays on the team, and, um, I'm just like, alright, so, <laughs> I can't believe I'm already talking about this, um, so I, um, we were playing, we went 1-0 down, I scored the goal to put it back to 1-0, then we were 2-1 down, 5 minutes left in the first half, and I just went for a run, and, and I felt a fucking pull in my, in the inside of my left thigh, and I went off for a second, and then I was like, oh, no, I'll just try and run it off, and then I took a shot with my left, and I really felt it pull up, I was like, oh, I'm fucked, um, and then I, uh, I went off, for the rest of the first half, second half, I came back on, and I just walked, I was just at the back, just walking, and, um, I just, I think a part of the reason why I stayed on was because, on some level, I wanted to impress Carl Chandler, <laughs> because he, he's, like, a very vocal fucking dude on the pitch, and, uh, I was doing his room the next night, on Monday night, isn't that crazy, like, this is a dude who I would not say that I'm friends with. I'm not friends with this guy, but he's around, and I've known we've been in each other's kind of the same industry for years. And I want to impress him because I want him to book me for shows. Like if that was just a normal person yelling at me, most likely I I can't see another situation where I would where I would take that. But because it's Carl Chandler, I'm like, nah, <laughs> you know. And it's not like he was doing anything wrong. I probably just wouldn't have played through the pain. I probably would have been like, no, I can't be fucked. <laughs> because it's this motherfucker. I'm like, all right, yeah. <laughs> like, I'll walk around uncomfortably for 20 minutes. I don't know. Just, fuck, there's some... Yeah. I did the set last night at Spleen, and after the show, he fucking... Um, it just gets in my head, man. Um... I did the set, and, uh, I was, like, leaving, and I was just, like, said bye to everyone, I was like, hey, thanks for the set, Carl, and he just, like, on a split second, just went, oh, how did you go, and I was like, yeah, good, yeah, all right, you know, like, I did, I had, like, a decent set, and, uh, he just goes, (laughs) goes, you blinked so I can tell you're lying, (laughs) I'm like, you're a psycho, you're crazy. <laughs> oh my god. I fucking I think he really just loves getting in people's heads, you know? Or he just is like that naturally and knows that he's like that and is aware. I don't fucking know, man. Like like I like he well, another comment came who's is like an old mate of his. And, and Carl hugged him, and I'm, I'm always, whenever I see that, I'm just like, that's crazy, like, the way that you are is so different with different people, I don't know, it's fucking wild.
I guess that could be said to anyone. This is a dude who, when I got back from the UK after two years, had deleted me off Facebook and I went to book another gig from him. I was like, hey man, I'm back. Like I'd like, I saw him at fucking at another show and I was like, hey man, I'm back uh, after two years in the UK. I'd love to book another set. And he was like, yeah, I don't know. And I was like, yeah, I think he deleted me off Facebook and he just went, yeah, probably. <laughs> oh my God. Um, anyway, I didn't mean to talk about any of that, but I've hurt my calf. My calf, my fucking groin, or groined, as I've discovered some people say it. If, fuck man, if you're someone who adds the D on the end of that shit, that's, I don't know where that comes from. I have no idea. I think Blake and I have like an ongoing discussion about whether, you know how some people say like something instead of something, like something. And, like, whether that's an accent or whether that's just someone being dumb. Is that an accent? I don't know. Like, I feel like there's no, like, there's no rich people who are saying that, which makes me think it's an accent. Like, not all poor people say that, but only poor people say that. It's like the gay voice, like the gay man voice, you know. I'm not going to do it. I, uh, nah. (laughs) Oh, Oh, actually, am I okay to do it? Oh, I did have a a mildly homosexual experience at scouts camp when I was 14. But other than that, I don't think I've experienced... No, I mean, whatever. Also, I'm just not going to do it now because I've put too much pressure on myself and I feel weird. Um, the, The something, though. Like, is that... Because... There's dumb people who are... Like, it seems like it's just a dumb person thing. Because if you you talk like that, you sound like a fucking idiot. But I don't think it's a dumb person thing because no rich people... uh, I think it's a socioeconomic thing. I went quieter there because I got self-conscious about sounding smart. Um, Crazy that I just think using a word like socioeconomic equals being smart. Maybe I should start saying something. Um, Oh, like, well, in the UK, right... All of their accents are region-specific, but really only the working-class people of that region have that accent. I guess maybe because they don't travel? Could that be it? Like, they don't ever move around enough, so they stay in the same spot, but people in kind of middle or upper classes travel more, so their dialect has to be more general so they can be understood everywhere they go. That could be... That's a pretty good explanation, huh? And so maybe the something thing develops somewhere along the lines of that, like it's a regional thing. No, it's not a regional thing. Mm, it's not regional in Australia, though. It's just dumb, poor people. <laughs> Fuck, I hope I meet someone in the next week who has that accent and I can ask them why they talk like a fucking idiot. <laughs> Excuse me, I've actually been thinking about this for the last week and I just wanted to ask you really quick because I know I've just been listening to the way that you speak and I was just wondering why you sound like a fucking moron. I was just wondering what the genesis of that is, if you can enlighten me on the topic. <laughs> and by the time I get to the end of that, they've punched me in the face because they're stupid. Because stupid, poor people like to fight. Ooh. Tea. I'm back in Melbourne, man. Oh, that tea just went down my chest and warmed my whole heart and stomach. Oh, back in Melbourne. It feels good. I was rela- I was so relieved when I got off the plane 
Fucking Kalgoorlie, for all its redeeming features, still on balance, is a fucking pile of shit. And I'm fucking, I'll say it to the face of anyone who lives there or loves it as a place. I don't think anyone loves it. Surely not. I didn't meet a single person there who would like defend it to the death. I met people there who were like, yeah, I grew up here, live here, probably going to stay. <laughs> and then they said it exactly like that too. <laughs> they weren't like, yeah, I grew up here. Yeah. Oh, I'm probably going to stay. They were like, yeah, I grew up here, still live here, probably going to stay here. Yeah. <laughs> Just resigned to their fucking shithole town. I was so relieved when I got off the fucking plane, man. I I don't think I've been happier to get off a plane in fucking... Uh, oh, just like... It's always nice to come home. Anyway, Melbourne, I was thinking that. Melbourne is just... I don't know if it's the city or if it's the way I feel about the city, but it's just... It feels good to come back and to be like, oh, yeah, this is my airport. Fucking, I get the... I get the Sky Bus into Southern Cross Station. I get off. I'm fucking there on Spencer Street. And I'm just like... Oh, it's Melbourne, it's me, baby, this is my fucking spot, and, um, getting off that plane, I was just beaming ear to ear, man, walking through the terminal, um, past all those travelators and dodging in between losers with their fucking bags and fat people, people with fucking kids, I'm like, just slaloming, just get out of my fucking way, let me get back to my fucking people, and I think a part of that was just how bad Kalgoorlie was. Like, it just is... The last few days, since I did the podcast last week, like, I was in a very, very bad mood. <laughs> oh, my oh my word. <laughs> but, um... It, it did get better, but it's still... Just, like, I mean, the gig that I did on Thursday night was nice. It was a nice... It didn't really feel much like a gig. It felt more like me kind of telling my dad and his mates stories through a microphone <clears throat> and every now and then they would like just go off on each other and start calling across the fucking tables to you know oh this and they'd like start shitting on each other and i just kind of stand there for 30 seconds and let them like do their thing and tie themselves out before they would start paying attention to me again um but whatever, that was what it was, um, and then, like, also, the Friday morning, I fucking, um, one of my dad's mates was nice enough to have me on his breakfast radio show for a quick five-minute segment on Triple M, lovely, talking about the cricket, which I don't fucking know, how's, like, the night before, before he'd even seen me perform, the dude's so lovely, I can't remember his name, fuck, um, damn it, sorry, man, if you're listening, (laughs) I can't remember your name, um, beforehand he was just like oh so we've got the 2020 tomorrow night so um i'd love to have you on the show it's like a sports show just um you know talking about cricket like if you could maybe you could do some jokes about cricket and i didn't have the nerve to say to him just like that's kind of not how it works like there's no way in like 12 hours i'm just going to sit down and write some jokes about you know oh maybe it could be like specific to kalgoorlie cricket like if you know anything about kalgoorlie boulder like the 2020 he like that's how am i going to have jokes about that and i just said to him i was like hey man listen to listen to um my set tonight kind of see what my stand up is like what my comedy's like and then if you're still into it then ask me again and i'll be happy to come on to your show and tell stories and like even 
I got a bit excited, so I started to try and like pitch him stories. I was like, oh, what about, you know, I got this story about, um, about fucking the ashes when I went to the ashes in 2006 because my dad gave me a ticket and it, he thought it was going to be a bad day, but it turned out to be one of the best days ever. And, um, I was telling that story to him and my dad was like next to me trying to chime in on the story, trying to be like, oh yeah, it was, and he was doing this and, and I was just like, man, I know you're trying to help, but you're really stepping on my fucking story here and I'm trying to sell myself to your mate so I can get on the radio. <laughs> I'm like, dad, this is, fuck. All right. Yeah. Dad's words, them as well, but I won't say those on the radio. Okay. I'll just say the ones that I said in between his. Uh, yeah, Dad was starting to piss me off on the trip. I don't know. He was, it was alright. We just clash. I think. Part of that was why I was stoked to get out of town. I also was happy to find a cafe. There was a cafe in town, so in Kalgoorlie, so it was like a bit of a drive, like a five ten minute drive. But like, just to find somewhere where I like when I went up to the counter. I think on Wednesday, I went there first. Just in the morning, did some writing, had a coffee. And like, I got in, <laughs> felt like I'd just come home from sea. <laughs> like I got in and I got to the counter and the girl was like, hey, what do you want? And I was just like, oh my God, I've been in Kalgoorlie since Monday and you're the first person I've met under 40. Thank you. <laughs> I was just so relieved. I was like, oh God, it's been so long. Fuck, what a nightmare. That fucking town, man. I'm telling you. I met this one guy, fucking, um, I think his name was Patrick. He was 26. But even, like, he looked older than me. He definitely looked like 35. I could tell once I got chatting to him. I was like, oh, this guy's got still, you know, a bit of youth about him. That was this story he told. This is insane. Um, There were a few kind of offhanded comments through the night. He was working behind the bar at the bowls club. And they were saying every now and then, like, oh, Patrick's, you know, he's been in a bit of trouble, no, no, no. And uh, after a while, I was like, oh, man, you got to, we were chatting, and I was just like, hey, man, what's like, give me the word on what this story is. And so when he was 21, he was working in a bottle shop in Kalgoorlie. I just had the thought, maybe I shouldn't have said his name, but then he did get caught for this. Don't worry, justice has, on a very low and corrupt level... (laughs) By the sounds of it, been done. Or I anyway, I'm just who am I to judge? <laughs> this is a, an insane story. Um, he fucking was working at a bottle shop in Kalgoorlie, and there was this crackhead dude who kept coming in and stealing shit. And him and his mates at the bottle shop caught him one day and got like grabbed him, took him out the back, and they all like beat him up real bad. Just fucking, you know, I guess stomped his head in and whatever. And then they tied him up and they were like, what are we going to do with him? We can't just leave him out the front like he'll, he'll dob. <laughs> he'll dob on us because <laughs> he's a dibber dobber Cindy. Um, so they put him in the back of this guy's ute and then this dude drove him into the middle of the fucking bush in the desert at night time and just left him there tied up like... Like, to die, I guess. 
I don't know. And then he said the first, then the way this dude told the story to me, he was just like, yeah, and he fucking got back to town and the first house he got to was the fucking constable, of course, wasn't it? And it's like, I mean, they were going to find out. If he got back to town, he's not keeping the shit under wraps, surely. Like, oh, I'm not a snitch. Like, how far does this frontier justice go, you know? Is there really a code among the, the fucking, the dudes who beat this dude to within an inch of his life and the fucking, and the actual guy who got left in the bush, surely they're not going to, like, defend each other, like, oh, I'm not going to snitch, like, that would be insane to me, I should ask that, um, but anyway, so the dude who drove the ute was the guy I was talking to, he, uh, went to trial for it and got a suspended sentence, didn't see any jail time, apparently his dad was going to retire and had to come out of retirement and work for another 10 years to pay his legal fees um, to to make sure that he didn't go to jail, you know, and the, you know, he's got a criminal record now, but he can still go to Bali, I guess he just can't get a visa to go to fucking like the UK or the US or whatever, but he's goes to Bali, and he's got his own plumbing business, and he's, like, living pretty decent, that was five years ago, just insanity, and that was a guy who, like, everyone at the club was like, yeah, he's a good kid, good kid, you know, and he did seem like a great dude, really lovely guy, just, like, bit of a, he had, he definitely had a sense of humor about how fucked a thing that was to do, you know, like, he wasn't saying it like it was, like, big dick time, he was saying it like, oh, man, you know, I fucking did this, and, and, that's crazy to think that I met someone who did that, and I, I really quite liked him, he was a lovely dude, <laughs> you know, but like he evidently has that streak, I don't know if I could do that to a person, to be honest, I guess I haven't grown up in a world where that does happen to people, but I just, I really don't know if I've got it in me to tie someone up, put them in the back of a fucking car, and drive them into the desert, call me a coward, but I just don't think i got the stones for it, Fuck. Fucking Kalgoorlie. Fuck Kalgoorlie. Honestly, fuck Kalgoorlie. If you ever have the choice, don't fucking go there. I think I might go there. <laughs> I think I might go there again because I met some lovely people and I could probably do a show there, I reckon. But I just... I went to one of the... I went to one of the skimpy... Bar- Actually, no, I'll tell that story at the end. I went... What fucking story? Oh! Oh! Okay, that just cut out then for a second, but luckily I caught it straight when it happened. Fucking, alright. This story. Fucking hell, okay, let me get, let me, let me get back into how angry I was before. Why did that stop just then? Fuck, I hate my computer. There we go. (laughs) There we go, and I'm back. This, (laughs) that was supposed to be a joke, but actually I do fucking hate my computer and I can't wait to get a new one in like three months. Um, I read this fucking story in, so the Western Australian is the paper that I was really trying, that's like the big tabloid in Perth and I was really pushing to try and get an article in there during my run and I didn't, I never, you know, whatever and I read a few things from their stuff online but I never picked up a copy of the paper and flicked through it. And I think, on reflection now, that was clearly a mistake because I got one in the pl- on the plane. The lady next to me was reading it and she was just like, do you want this? And I was like, yeah, go on. So on the plane from Perth over to Kalgoorlie, I had a flick through the West Australian and I found this story 
Uh, I don't know what page it's on. It's a bit of the way in. I guess it's on like page fucking 20 or something. Green German Idealism Shows Nine in a Brand New Colour by Tim Blair. And I'm just going to read until the part that made me lose my fucking shit. Having added a million or so Middle Eastern refugees to her nation, Chancellor Angela Merkel will now shut down all of Germany's coal-fired power plants. That's quite a legacy. No coal power, no nuclear power, and refugee-populated no-go zones all over the place that even police fear to enter. But it's all good. According to Ord 9 Media Europe correspondent Nick Miller, who is particularly impressed by the looming coal abandonment, quote, A leading mainstream politician in a major industrial nation this week said the country will phase out coal power completely in less than two decades' time, end quote, Miller wrote. Quote, Imagine the blowback of an Australian politician, Labour or Liberal, if an Australian politician, Labour or Liberal, tried that, end quote. Why stop there? Let's also imagine Australia without $66 billion in coal exports, without thousands of jobs in the coal industry, and with nothing to get us through winter besides the global warmth of Frau Merkel's comforting motherly smile. Mere details, according to Miller, quote, some muttered about higher energy prices and energy security concerns over Merkel's 2038 coal phase-out decision. But just as loud were complaints that it could be done a decade faster if the government really puts its mind to it. End quote. Now, here's the bit that I'm just like, fuck this fucking piece of shit Tim Blair. Fuck his writing. And for, oh my God. Okay. <laughs> Germany previously embarked on a decade long large scale cleansing program. That particular exercise did not generate international approval and ended in 1945. What the fuck are you talking about? How the fuck is a paper going to fucking print that? He's likening, he's likening fucking moving from coal power to renewable energy to the Holocaust. He's literally equating those two things. He's equating trying to save the planet from global warming to killing six million innocent people. You fucking worthless scum cunt piece of shit Tim Blair I hope you fucking die in a gas chamber in your own house go fuck yourself oh my god how it's insane that a paper would print that and I I messaged my a friend of mine works for the West Australian she writes for the West Australian in the arts section and I messaged her and I just sent her screenshots of the whole thing and there's more but I've fucking whatever I'm not even going to read the rest but I um I messaged my friend who works at the West Australian and I just sent her the screenshots and I was like this fucking cunt do you know this cunt can you if you know him can you go up to him and spit in his face and uh she said I've never heard of him it must be and I didn't realize this was a thing but it as soon as she said it, I was like, oh, of course. It's like a syndicated article. So, evidently, this fucking Tim Blair piece of shit has written it. And then it's been syndicated to a bunch of different Murdoch publications. So, like, probably all of the major tabloids in Australia. Which is even worse. Because that means that they don't need to find a different fucking short-sighted... Um, corporate fucking cunt in every city they literally just have to find one and then they can just syndicate his bilious views across the country oh i honestly have no idea how you could be 
against like changing from coal, which is just a power that's inevitably going to run out. It's going to fucking run out. Regardless of what it's doing to the environment, it's going to run out. Just do the one that's always going to be there. It's the sun. Oh, my days. That made me so fucking angry. I was just on the plane. And I had no Wi-Fi or no internet. And like the lady sitting next to me had given me the paper. So I, I kind of didn't want to turn to her and be like, did you read this fucking shit? <laughs> so I was just seething. And it's only an hour flight. And I guess I read that half an hour in. And I was just fucking boiling in my own juices there. Waiting until I could message my friend. And I was even like trying not to be angry at her. I was like, this isn't against you. It's just a job. I know it's not the... But, ah, oh my God. And I, I don't even know, like, it's my double standard. It's because I was still, I would still absolutely take a review from any of those publications. Am I fucking, is there an onus on me to boycott those media outlets? Just because I, because I, I clearly disagree with it. It's made me very upset. And if there was a five-star review of my show in that, paper though like it would do a lot for me so what you know i guess i just do nothing i guess i just yell here until i feel better and then i go about my day basically fuck that really upset me though it really ruined my flight experience um all right i got a couple music things this week let me oh my tea's fucking cooling down exponentially um, two, both of which I heard, and actually I think I got an interesting juxtaposition this week. The first song is called Highland Grace, it's by, uh, His Golden Messenger, that's H-I-S-S, Golden Messenger. Um, just a nice bluesy tune, there's a good saxophone line at the end, like a bit of a kind of all-in saxophone solo thing, um... Really like uh, bluesy, like the sax stuff is like bluesy, but the rest of the song is kind of like country. It's a lot of what I normally listen to, like mellow stuff. Um, I looked up the guy, and uh, he's evidently been playing music for a while. He was like, stu- it, it said here buh, 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 on Pitchfork. This is, it will even tell you enough about this dude. His album was reviewed 8.2 out of 10 on Pitchfork, right? And, um, he was, where does it say his blah, blah, blah. Um, God barely comes, God barely comes into the equation on his, on the sixth Hiss album recorded in Taylor's 40th year. Why do they write like that? Around the time when big questions tend to get outweighed by smaller, more immediate responsibilities. But this lifelong theme remains intact. What happens when you feel a distance from the thing that's meant to sustain you? Ah, that's not what I was looking for. Anyway, evidently he's just been kicking around like punk bands and hardcore bands for ages. And then when he had kids, he started writing these songs while he was looking after his kids. And they were the ones that propelled him into some sort of actual viable career. So that's this guy. The other song that I have is Break Up With Your Girlfriend, I'm Bored by Ariana Grande. Grande, Grande, I don't know, I've, I read a thing, you know who Ariana Grande is, one of the most famous cunts in the world, right, I, I read a thing the other day, where she was talking about how to pronounce her name, and she was like, oh, my grand, my granddad used to pronounce it Grandy, so I like the pronunciation Grandy, and I was like, oh, you're a fucking idiot, that's what you are, 
But um, maybe that's just her accent, huh? Maybe that's just her accent and she's not actually stupid. <laughs> Here's the perfect summation of like the difference between these two songs, right? <laughs> Pitchfork, their little abstract, like the little fucking sentence at the top of the review for um, His Golden Messenger and the album that features the song Highland Grace is on his sixth studio album as His Golden Messenger, MC Taylor's lifelong theme remains intact. What happens when you feel a distance from the thing that's meant to sustain you? Now, that's pretty wanky, right? And I don't know if I could get that. I guess that's Pitchfork's thing as they really try and read into it and, and glean something from the music and that's what they see the purpose of music as. I don't know if I'd get that from it. I mean, I just listened to it a couple times now, but it's like, just for me, it's like nice, easy listening. You can sing to it. It's fucking calming music. You can drink your tea, have breakfast, listen to a bit of a song. Then I listened on the recommendation of of a friend, this Ariana Grande song, <laughs> Break Up With Your Girlfriend, I'm Bored. And the quote that Rolling Stone has used at the start of their article <laughs> said... The way that Jimi Hendrix was with a guitar, Ariana Grande is like in her vocals, says Stephen Kotecha, who co-wrote four Thank You Next tracks. The way that she's with her... That's saying that she's like Jimi Hendrix. <laughs> I mean, that really tells you everything that you need to know about the entourages and like associated media of these two artists, doesn't it? The first guy, they're like, oh, he's talking about things. And the second one, they're like, she's the greatest of all time. She's the greatest ever. <laughs> Just like rabid promotion machine. I mean, how can you even begin to like, is she really reinvented? Yeah, that's an insane fucking thing to say. And this is a guy who just wrote four of her songs, like, she's not even writing the stuff, that's what, how can you say she's like Jimi Hendrix, and in the same sentence be like, says the guy who wrote the things that she's doing, like, you know Jimi Hendrix wrote his own songs, yeah, you know he was the guy who actually thought of those things, that's why he's so revered, not because he could play guitar, <laughs> Oh my god, I can't even begin to understand how deranged the guy is who fucking said that quote, because he's the musician who's like writing her fucking lines, like one of the, <laughs> one of the stories that he tells of how she's so great is, uh, he goes, um, where was it, where was it, uh, on the Sweetener album, oh wait, Oh, no, there was one thing where it was just like, this is just one example of how she works so hard. Like, she basically, she fucking didn't like the verse on one of the songs. And they were like, oh, yeah, we'd written the verse for her and she, she didn't really like it. So she went away with her mate and wrote it again. <laughs> and that's just goes to show how hard she works. She didn't like the thing, so she just wrote it again. <laughs> It's called a draft, mate. Fuck. Like, people who write books do that 
every fucking day. Oh. And this guy, like, his part of his backstory was like, I was actually, like, wrote for One Direction, and they started to grow in a direction that was different to mine, but I'd already moved my wife over from Sweden to LA, and it just, I was feeling really sad and, like, despondent, and then when I met Ariana Grande, one of the other huge stars in the stratosphere of music, it really helped me get back on track with my life, like, shut the fuck up, you are living the most charmed exit, you have a Swedish wife, and you're living in LA, you just, oh no, you fucking... <laughs> <laughs> your fucking contract with One Direction didn't last for as long as you'd hoped. Oh, I was actually feeling really sad that all I could afford was two holidays in Tahiti this year. Ugh. And then you got fucking picked up by Ariana Grande, who fucking <laughs> is probably trying to fuck you over your Swedish wife right now, and she wrote a fucking song about it. Break up with your girlfriend, I'm boy. You <laughs> what? These fucking cunts with their problems I don't care about. <laughs> anyway, they're both great songs, to be honest. <laughs> and, and in 10 years, I'll probably remember the Ariana Grande one more than I will the His Golden Messenger one. But that's only because fuck Pitchfork. Um, I still I hate Pitchfork just as much as I hate that dude from the Rolling Stone, man. Fucking Pitchfork with their wanky bullshit. Just let me listen to the music. I actually don't care. But then again, I want to be told how to feel about things. How do I actually feel about anything? I don't fucking know, man. Kalgoorlie. Let me tell you this story, and then I'm and then I'm then I'm gonna bounce. Um, Valentine's Day was fucking Tuesday, wasn't it? Was it Tuesday? No, it was Thursday. And uh, oh, for the first time ever, 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 I reckon. Maybe I got. Like, maybe I got my first girlfriend ever a rose from the fucking rose person who comes around at school when I was in year 12, but I got the girl that I was hanging out with for all of Perth, the fucking lovely, amazing lady that she is. I got her a rose. I got her some roses, like a thing of roses sent to her house for Valentine's Day, and uh, I like... This isn't the story, actually. This is, just, <laughs> this is just me bragging about being a fucking great dude. And they got sent to her house and I like had to go on Google Maps and check where her address was. Like, you know, look at what the number was and shit so I could get it. And uh, I was in Kalgoorlie, but I had them sent there and she got home from work and found them and sent me a picture of her with the roses and it was just, really made me feel good, you know? And uh, that day I was in Kalgoorlie, I was, I was just like kind of prepping for my show. So I went to that cafe and then I went to a bar, I'd heard about the Skimpies in Kalgoorlie, which is like the, you know, the girls who bartend in their, in their, um, like bikinis or whatever. It's like a strip club, basically, but all day, and they don't actually strip, they just bartend like that. So I'm like, uh, let me go see these fucking girls. I'm interested to see what kind of girls are there as well, you know, if they're actually really pretty or just, uh, whatever. So I go, and I just wanted to look at a girl, to be honest. I just wanted to see a pretty girl in my vicinity and to forget for a second that other than that, I was surrounded by tired 40-year-old men. So I get there and uh, ordered a beer, and I sat at the other end of the bar and just opened my book, which, oh, by the way, Dr. Sachs by fucking um, Jack Kerouac. Suck a dick. I'm not going to finish it. It sucks. Don't read it. It's fucking gibberish. Um... <laughs> yeah, I hate it. I I read like thirty pages. I was just like, nah, this sucks. 
So I'm reading that book at the end of the bar and uh, one of the skimpy girls comes over and she's like actually looked really good, phenomenal. But then I talked to her and like she she started talking to me. I was I was there's no way I was going to fucking like open the conversation with her. She came over and was just like, "Oh, what are you reading?" And I was like, "Oh, this. It's kind of weird." And um it was like pulling teeth that conversation. I was just like, "Oh, so you what are you doing here?" Oh, yeah, you want to start your finance business? Oh, I know this girl that I was seeing was actually in finance, so that's pretty cool, and you could probably do the niece thing like I did if you want to start your business. She's like, yeah, yeah, just kind of this, like, vacant look in her eyes. Um, And then just the last thing, I was like, all right, well, I said something about Kalgoorlie, and she was like, yeah, we're all stuck here, and I was like, oh, you hate it here. Dope. She was from the Gold Coast. Oh, that's right. That's what made me realize that she didn't like it. I was like... um, Oh, do you go to uni here? And she's like, no, back in the Gold Coast. Oh, hell no. I would uh, I would kill myself if I went to uni here. I was like, oh, dope. You really hate it here, just like me. Um, then she walked off and uh, that was pretty funny just to realize that, I don't know. I, I feel like, this is quite judgmental. I feel like though, the reason that she was there is kind of because she didn't have the best chat. I mean, she clearly didn't want to be there and it must be fucking tiring talking to dudes all day over the bar. And then she came around afterwards with a bucket and was like, any change? Like, you know, like a t-. and I was just like, I actually have no money. Sorry. <laughs> Whoops. Uh, <laughs> I didn't feel bad at all. And um, yeah, thank you so much for blessing me with your conversation. Thank you. Yeah. Like I'm going to fucking pay to talk to a fucking girl. No, fuck off. Um, and it's, yeah, it struck me that maybe the reason that she was there and not working at like an actual strip club in like the Gold Coast was that she, it was because she didn't have the chat, you know, because that's a part of the fucking thing. It's like, she, she's supposed to make me feel like she's my friend and like she might fuck me. <laughs> that's brutal that I think that and actually believe that, isn't it? Damn it. Is that part of the job? I don't know. Someone, if anyone's listening who works in the sex industry, tell me if you think that's part of the job as a stripper or as like someone who's not having sex with dudes, like a stripper, topless barb, waitress, whatever. Surely part of the job is that you're supposed to be engaging and like, you're just supposed to be funny and have good chat, not just stand there and, and, and like have like idle fucking natter. Surely not. Yeah. She wasn't very interesting. Anyway, um, and some older lady called Karen comes up. She just goes, she must be in like 50, 60. She goes, hey, do you want a game of pool? And I was like, oh, fuck yeah. Let's have a game of pool. Not thinking for a second that it was Valentine's Day. I really should have thought of that. That's a bummer. And um, came over drinking my beer. And uh, I was just chatting to her about, she was like, oh, I've been in Kalgoorlie for 40 years. Um, I, I thought... It, I was kind of get. She had really good chat. She was funny, laughing, just having a good time, um, and she paid for the pool as well, which was lovely. And I really had the idea that she um, she seemed like she she might have been a sex worker back in the day, you know. And I was just like, who's this lady by herself? Like this old kind of grizzled lady by herself in a bar in the middle of the day in this fucking dead shit mining town what's your life? I didn't, I, I didn't have the balls to actually ask her like a couple of probing questions. I asked her a bit and she didn't really give much up, but, um, it was very nice to chat to her. If her personality had been in the, the gorgeous girl's body, 
<laughs> Shut up. What am I talking about? Anyway, I beat the fuck out of that old lady in pool. <laughs> oh boy, did I ever. Um, oh, we had a great time. She laughed at the end. I got the last ball in and she just went, you deserved it. <laughs> she just screamed that. You deserved it. <laughs> Came over and we shook hands. I was just like laughing. Thanks for the game, Karen. And uh, went back to reading that garbage book. Oh, that was fun. That's the, that's the pod, guys. Thanks for listening this week. Everyone who came to the shows in Perth, thank you so much for coming. Anyone, if you're listening in Adelaide, I'm there from Thursday. My show starts on Sunday. That's uh, Feb 24 through to March the 1st. Tickets are selling slowly, but they are selling. I just spent 300 bucks on an ad campaign. Let's see if that does fucking anything. Um, but I hope to see you down at those Adelaide shows, um, or if you're anywhere else in Australia, I'm in Sydney the week after that, a Melbourne comedy festival from, uh, March 26 to April 21. Anyway, I'll talk about that later. Thanks for listening. Fucking have a great week. This has been Aiden Taco Jones sitting under a tree. Peace.